The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. The Pre-Med Year, session number 187. Hello and welcome to the two-time Academy Award-nominated podcast, The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, as I'm recording this, I recently got back from Tampa, Florida, where I had an amazing opportunity to meet up with several listeners and hangout members in Tampa. So I want to thank everybody that was able to make it out to Jackson's in Tampa and and hang out and collaborate and and really just have a great time. So I had a blast there. If you are in the Chicago area, I will be there on July 5th having another meetup. I'll be in town for Podcast Movement and the Academy of Podcasters Award Ceremony, which is happening on July 6th. So I hope to to see you in Chicago July 5th. We don't have uh, a spot secured yet on where we're going to meet up. If you're in the Chicago area and know of a great place just to kind of meet up and hang out and maybe grab some dinner, uh, that would be awesome. Shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. There are details in the Hangout group, which you can find at medicalschoolhq.net slash group, and click on the Events tab there, and that meetup in Chicago will be there. In this podcast, we share with you a story from a pre-med up in Canada and her successful journey to medical school in Canada, which ultimately resulted in two acceptances to medical school. Now, if you know anything about the Canadian system or if you're in Canada now, you know that it's incredibly hard to get into medical school in Canada. And so Rachel talks about her journey and how she was able to secure two acceptances to medical school. So let's go ahead and jump in and say hi to Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the pre-med year. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. You are in our lovely neighbor to the north in Canada. I am. I think you're our first Canadian guest. I may be wrong, though. I, I, I'm trying to figure out Oh, but that's so exciting. I think you're our first. So congratulations. Thank you Thank for you. for agreeing to represent all of Canada here on this podcast. Well, I'll do my <laughs> best. I know in Canada, the, uh, the provinces are pretty different when it comes to medical schools. So mine will be only representing a few schools or my particular experience. But I know there's lots of Canadian listeners. I've seen the reviews it's <laughs> awesome well thank you for listening as as a listener and, th- and thank you for taking some time to come on and talk about your journey let's let's talk about your original desire to become a physician where did that come from mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think that I've always been interested in healthcare specifically, but, um, well, I guess I've been interested in healthcare, but not always medicine specifically. So I always thought actually that I would do nursing and that's actually what I have done. My undergrad is in nursing and that's something I've really enjoyed. I've had really good experiences as a nurse. And I think it's just something that when I was younger, nursing was much more familiar to me. So my mom was a nurse and I knew people who were nurses. And so when I thought about, I guess, my interest in healthcare, I just thought nursing would be automatically the best fit for me just because it's something that seemed more accessible. You could start it right after high school. And I didn't really know that many physicians or really any. And I definitely didn't know any woman in medicine. And so for me, I think my interest in healthcare, I just, I really just started thinking about nursing. And uh, it wasn't until, I guess, in high school, I started wondering about it just a little bit. But again, just thought, well, nursing's more familiar, it's probably a better option for me. But then I started university and I, I did a year of foundational science just as prereqs for the nursing degree. And I just loved it. I had such a good experience. And I was at a smaller university and the teachers were really invested. And I actually had a chemistry professor say to me after my first semester, he said, Rachel, I think you should consider switching your major to pre-med from nursing. And that was the first time I think I really started considering it because before then I'd always thought, no, I'm definitely going to be a nurse. And when he said that to me, I thought, well, maybe I should look into this a bit more. Interesting. I want to dig a little bit deeper on this this thought that you had about talking, talking about being a nurse and really not knowing any female or women physicians. In, in some of the communications that we had before we were recording this, you talked about some of a, a kind of a deeper level of your relationship with being a physician as a female and maybe being a nurse as a female. Talk a little bit about that because I, I think that may be something where somebody that's listening might be struggling with these same beliefs that they were raised with as well. Totally. Well, I think... Yeah, I think probably the biggest obstacle, I guess you could say, or maybe a deterrent for me to even consider going into medicine is that I was raised in a very loving family. My, I love my family. My parents are awesome. But they're, uh, the way that they've chosen to do their life, and it has worked really well for them is that my mom has stayed home and raised the kids while my dad has been the primary breadwinner. And so I was definitely raised with uh, my parents encouraging me to go to university. They're definitely supportive of women getting education, but they also always cautioned me. They just said, you know, we just feel that nursing would probably be a better fit because if you were to value family and if you want to have children in the future, then they just really support, I guess, women 
not working and being able to be at home more full time. And so they just thought if I spent all these years investing in medicine, that the most likely thing would be for me to continue being a doctor, even if I were to have children. And so I think I definitely had to navigate that as I grew older and start thinking about, you know, do I believe that it's possible for, I guess, a career to coexist with family? Because I am actually married right now. And uh, so even being in nursing school and being married, I've realized, you know, I have to figure out what my priorities are. And for me, I've just realized over time that I think I can balance a variety of different things in my life. And that if medicine is something I'm really interested in and passionate about, that I shouldn't, I guess, hold back from that maybe out of fear and just, I guess, just fear that somehow I'm going to really disadvantage um, children or something by not being there. And I, I think just realizing that no matter what I do, I can still have my priorities um, in in the order that I want them to be. So if I do value family, that I don't think that I'll value it any less because I'm a doctor, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But that was something that I just had to sort of wrestle through over time and figure out, you know, do I think that this is something that I can do? Okay, good. Thank you for talking about that because I, mm -hmm. I know it's uh, a common struggle for females entering in this career. We we talked to a lot of non-traditional women that have kids already and they're they're questioning even going through the pre-med path, the time commitment that it's taking, whether or not they should continue on this journey. And so I, I think it's a good discussion to have. And, and it sounds like you have the support of your husband going through this. What making this decision now, and you obviously said your, your parents are awesome, super supportive. How did you break that to them that you're like, okay, I'm going to go be a physician. What was their response? Oh, well, I think at first they were definitely more concerned. So it's kind of funny because I have friends who are pre-meds and they tell me about how thrilled their parents are because they're going into medicine. And I think sometimes I felt a little bit jealous of, of that. But when I told my parents that I was interested in medicine and writing the MCAT, yeah, I think they just expressed again, some of the concerns they've had as I've been growing up. And, but they also, my mom said something interesting to me. She said, I can definitely see why this would be a good fit for you. And I think that she knows me well. And I think that over time, as I worked towards the MCAT and I wrote that, and then I applied and I've always tried to just be really transparent with them and honest with them and just say, you know, I'm not doing this because I'm rejecting values that I was brought up with, but actually because I just think it's a really good fit for me as a person and that I still really value a lot of the things that you taught me as I was growing up. And I think, I just think they don't, or I, I guess I think that they can coexist. And so over time, I think they have become a lot more supportive and uh, by me going into medicine, I actually am moving back to the city that they live in, and I they're super thrilled about that. So, Good. yeah. All right, all right. Let's talk about 
Canada and what it's like sure. to be pre-med in Canada. You talked a lot about um, in, in your correspondence with me about being a nursing student and some of the pros and cons that that brought. One of the biggest things that stood out to me based on conversations that I've had with Canadian pre-meds is that in Canada, the the practice of shadowing a physician really doesn't exist up there. And so pre-med students are a lot of times left with very little clinical experience when they're applying to medical school. But you, as a nursing student, were able to get a lot. Can you talk a, lot of, a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, I think actually being a nursing student, I, I mentioned when you asked me about my interest in medicine, I mentioned my chemistry professor and, and how that sort of planted the seed for me. But I would say that wasn't totally enough to convince me that I was interested in medicine. And I think it's actually been my nursing degree that's helped me the most with that. Because like you said, I have had clinical experience that a lot of my pre-med peers have not been able to get in Canada. And it's been through my clinical experience and working with patients and working on an interdisciplinary team and seeing how healthcare actually plays out and what the roles of different professions are and how they work together. And I totally think that it's it's been that experience that really cemented for me that I was interested in medicine. And I'm not sure if I would have really known that without without having that experience. So I definitely think that's a, a, I guess, a pro to living in the United States is the fact that physicians actually expect, it seems, pre-meds to contact them and say, hey, can I shadow you? And here in Canada, it's so difficult. Unless you really know a physician personally, uh, you have a family member or a friend who's a physician and they're willing to have you come in, it can be super challenging to get that clinical experience. What have you seen from other pre-meds that you've been around, uh, talking to other students that have been accepted? How how are they getting their their clinical experience outside of knowing a physician to shadow? Well, I think a huge one is volunteering in the hospital. So there's some people who volunteer at the BC Children's Hospital or Alberta Children's Hospital, and they'll volunteer just taking you know, books around to kids and chatting with them and having conversations with patients, which is definitely an important skill to build. And I think gives you a sense of what it's like to be in a hospital environment. But other than that, I think I've definitely heard from pre-meds that they wish they could have had more experience. And uh, I think it's probably pretty, pretty challenging as a pre-med without that, I guess, clinical exposure because some things are a lot different in reality than you imagine them to be in your mind. And I think, yeah, I just feel super grateful that in nursing, I've been able to see what's it actually like to be in a hospital? What, what is it actually like to work on a team? And I guess figure out, is this something that I actually enjoy? Yeah. Okay. That's definitely, it's, it's a huge part of the, the application process for the state. So it's very interesting 
for for Canadian students that it, it's so hard to get that exposure. How how do you, as you said, how do you really make sure that this is something you like? Because just because you like science, you like medicine, you want to help people, all those stereotypical things, doesn't necessarily mean you like being around sick people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the pre-meds that I've talked to, they really do make a huge effort to reach out to anyone they know who's a doctor and say, will you have me into your clinic or can I shadow you? Because I think it does make a huge difference for them, just even all the work that goes into writing the MCAT and applying and interviews and to do all that work without knowing for sure that it's something that you're interested in, I think would be really hard. Yeah. Let's talk about the application process for Canadian medical schools. The The application process, so we, uh, on, on this show, again, not really having talked about the Canadian process a lot, we always talk about the AMCAS application, and, and you guys in Canada use the same process, correct? Yeah, well, every school is a little bit different. So I think in Ontario, it's called the AMSAS, and then I was applying to to Alberta schools, um, and they were they were each a little bit different. So I'm not actually entirely sure if there is that same central application oh, process. I thought they used the same process. I could be misinformed. I am wrong. That's okay. <laughs> I think my understanding is that it's school and province specific, but I might not have totally paid attention. But I definitely did fill out completely separate applications for it, for each yeah. school. So can- yeah. Canada is like Texas here. Texas has its own application service. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just like to be different. Okay. See, yeah. I'm learning something new. So you have different application services for each of the schools, which is uh, how many medical schools are in Canada? I think there's 17. Okay. Um, don't quote me for sure. I think there's 17, but there's a couple French ones. Mm. So I think there's 14 English-speaking schools. Okay. Okay. That's my understanding. And and similar to the states where we have public schools where they are typically looking for students from that state, the Canadian system is set up where the schools in that province are typically looking for students from that province, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're definitely at a disadvantage if you apply out of province. And there's much stricter requirements for you. So your MCAT has to be higher. Your GPA has to be higher. You really have to rock your interview. It's a lot harder to get in as an out-of-province. And is that, from from your understanding, is that similar to kind of the reasonings here where a state school is getting funded from the state or in your case from a province and so they want to educate and train students from that province so they stay and work in that province? I think that's exactly it. Yeah, so the province funds the medical schools for a specific number of spots. So they'll say, okay, this school gets 150 spots. And so uh, they just really want to pick students that they or applicants that they think will best serve the needs of the population in that province. And so you can expect in your interviews even to get questions that are related to things that have been happening in the province or political things have been happening or questions about 
the specific challenges or healthcare challenges that that province is facing. So you need to actually have a sense of what needs is this school meeting? What needs are these physicians who graduate from this school meeting? And what what is this school hoping to achieve by training these physicians? Okay. So what province do you live in? So I actually live in British Columbia. Okay. But I was able to apply to Alberta schools because I grew up in Alberta. And so I went to university for several years in Alberta before moving to BC. And I went to high school in Alberta. And so I actually still counted as an in-province applicant, which is a huge advantage for me. Interesting. So you're you're a little sneaky there. I'm a little sneaky. I count as an in-province in both BC and Alberta. Okay. So So. so how many schools did that open up for you to be in-province? So it it opened up two. Only two. So one in each province. So actually, I applied to two schools in Alberta. So I applied to the University of Alberta and the University of Calgary. Oh, so you're only considered in province for one province only? Well, for me, it's a little bit different. I am considered an in province in BC, but I didn't apply to the University of British Columbia because I didn't have all the prerequisites that they required. So Canada is different from the States as well in that every school has, well, well, actually I'm not sure if it's like this in the States, but every, every school is different. It's very frustrating. Every school is different. (laughs) So at some schools they require you to have, you know, two and a half years of, of strict science and, and at some schools in Canada, you don't need any prerequisites other than the MCAT mm-hmm. and uh, an undergrad degree. So it's completely different across the board. Yeah. And that's that's something I, I always recommend to students is always make sure that you're checking the school's website, make sure that you have all the prereqs uh, for that school when you're applying because you don't want to scramble at the last minute and need to take a summer class before you matriculate because you realize exactly. you're missing something. So, exactly. So what were you missing for... Um, for the, was it BC school? Yeah, the University of British Columbia. If I had wanted to apply there, I would have had to, well, they've actually just changed all their requirements. So this coming year, I could actually apply to to BC, but I'm, I'm not going to because I already have two acceptances. But at the UBC, historically, you've needed to have your full two or two and a half years of science. So your full semester of gen chem, um, gen bio, organic chemistry, biochemistry, physics, English, everything. And because my degree is in nursing, I only have bits and pieces of those. So I have some biology, some chemistry, and I, I have one semester of biochemistry, mm-hmm. but I, I haven't taken any organic chemistry, any physics. I taught myself those for the MCAT entirely. Wow. So I would have had to do at least another year and a half of school after graduating from nursing in order to apply to that school. So I always thought, you know, that I would just apply to the Alberta schools and see if I got in there. And if I wasn't getting in, I probably would have started taking some of those prereqs after I graduated um, so that I could open up my options. Okay. But at this point, I hadn't started working towards that. Interesting. Okay. 
Good to know. I, it's so it it's it's crazy how similar the systems are and yet somewhat different as well. Mm-hmm. Talk about the so you go through the application process. What was the hardest thing about the application process for you? That's an interesting question. I I think for me, I actually found it challenging to ask references to to I guess I had to I had to have three references for each well I had to have two references at one school and three references at another school and I found that challenging because the people who I felt knew me best and really had a sense of I guess my skills and abilities and my strengths and my weaknesses were all nursing instructors and uh, so I definitely have people who I volunteered with and supervisors at work. And I have a number of different activities I've been involved in volunteering with different uh, kids science fairs or, and, and uh, clubs on campus. So in the end, I only ended up asking one nursing professor to write my reference. But for me, it was just hard deciding who to ask. I thought for a long time about dress this person, dress this person. And, and I was really unsure as well if I should ask this particular nursing instructor, because I think I just worried that somehow they wouldn't be supportive of the transition from nursing to medicine. But I think she actually wrote me most likely the best reference of the three. She was just so supportive. And I'd done some research with her and she knew me really well. I'd, I'd been on labor delivery rotations with her. And so she just, I just felt like she, she knew me really well. So she was able to say, this is what Rachel is strong in. These are some things that Rachel can grow in. And I think the admissions committee, they're really looking for people who can be honest. They don't just want a letter that says, these are all the amazing things about you. They want someone who can say, these are actually some weaknesses that the applicant has. And so in a, in an ironic way, it's actually a strength to your application if your if your references can say some strengths and some weaknesses, but how you overcome those weaknesses or how you're growing to, I guess, improve in those areas. So I think at first I was just really worried that I shouldn't ask a nursing instructor, but it ended up being, I think, a really good decision. Good. That's awesome. Thanks for that that feedback. It's uh, something I think students are always afraid to get the 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 negative feedback or the mm-hmm. the the um, I can't think of the word right now. Um, constructive, constructive criticism. criticism yes. Uh, so I, I think it's it's as a as somebody who, from an admissions standpoint, reading a letter of recommendation, seeing that constructive criticism, it does make me think that this is a much more valuable letter. And, and uh, obviously, constructive criticism needs to be a lot more uh, personal, more unique. So I know that the, the person writing it took more time to do that. And I think I'd value that a lot more. Totally. Good. All right. Let's. So let's talk about the, the interview process in Canada. We uh, in the States are lucky enough to have 
a kind of traditional interview process at most schools, but Canada has infected us with what is known as the multiple mini interview, the MMI, which came out of McMaster's in, in Canada. It did. Talk about the MMI and, and what your experience was with that. So the MMI is terrifying. <laughs> I, I did not think, I guess, that I would enjoy the process beforehand. I was so scared. I was way more nervous than I needed to be. And it was, I think, you know, you always look back afterwards and you say, I did not need to be that nervous. I didn't need to be that scared. But I think that the way that the MMI is set up is before you do it, it's just hard to imagine before you're actually in that situation. Um, it, it can seem like a really intimidating type of interview, but I had some really good advice before the interview. I actually listened to several of the pre-med years podcasts that talked about the MMI. And I think even just your advice, Ryan, was really to respect the interview and practice for it and take it extremely seriously, take it as seriously as you take the MCAT. And so I really tried to do that. And so I practiced with other pre-meds. I practiced with the career services at my university. They offered practice MMIs and I got books out on the MMI and I recorded myself doing different scenarios and timed myself on my computer. And I think just putting in the time to practice really helped to calm my nerves. And, but ultimately when you do the MMI, every situation, every scenario is so different than any of the ones that you've practiced that what it really comes down to is being able to be yourself and communicate effectively in a short period of time under pressure. So the, the main benefit to practicing was really just getting a sense of how long is eight minutes and what does eight minutes feel like? And how can I communicate my ideas in a way that's succinct and gives a sense of who I am as a person? Other than that, the MMI is really, I think, hard to totally prepare for because you never can totally anticipate what questions you're going to get. Leaving interview day and going through the stations, did you get a sense of how well you did? I did at one school. I would say at one school, I felt like every station, I had a sense of coming out of the station at I felt, oh, I think that went well, or I, I think that didn't go quite as well. But the other school was completely left field. The questions were so different than I would have ever expected. And it was just really hard to tell because the interviewers, I think, too, they're trained to have a very flat affect. So when you speak to them, especially at this one school, they don't really nod, they don't smile, they don't give you a sense that you're doing well. And so you just talk. 
And (laughs) (laughs) you just talk to a person who's just staring at you with a very flat, expressionless face. And Uh. so you come out feeling like I could have bombed that. I could have done really well. And you have no way of knowing. So that was, that was definitely my experience at one school. At the other school, they had a lot more, I felt like they gave me a lot more feedback in terms of their, I guess, expressions on their face. And sometimes they even dialogued with me a little bit and that was much nicer. Yeah. Wow. That, that would definitely be very hard if, if you didn't get any sort of feedback verbal Mm -hmm. or anything. And, And if they're not participating in the scenario with you, um, mm-hmm. asking follow-up questions or trying to make you elaborate or, oh, wow, that's hard. So the way that the MMIs are set up, at least at the schools that I interviewed at, is every station does have specific follow-up questions, but the follow-up questions are standardized. So they're the, exactly the same for every station, for every applicant. So usually how you're trained for the MMI is that after about four or five minutes of you just talking, you would then basically say to the interviewer, do you have any follow-up questions for me? And then the interviewer will ask you the same questions that they, that they ask every single applicant in the same order. So they might ask you a question and you think, I already talked about that for five minutes, but they will still ask it to you because they're trying to make it as standardized as possible. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I've I've seen some some different uh, theories and and procedures on that. So the MMI, while the the theory, the, the kind of structure is very similar with stations, every school can kind of implement whatever version of that they want. So it it can be very different exactly. at all the schools. Oh, even more frustrating for pre-meds as they try to prepare for their their interviews that all of that can be different even when it's an MMI. It can, but I also think that at least what I experienced that was quite comforting about the MMI was there were one or two stations that I felt didn't go as well or I looked back and I thought, I really don't think... I got a good score on that station. And the comforting thing about it was that at one school, I had 10 stations. At another school, I had eight. And overall, you only get one score. So if you don't do well on a station, you know, I can always do better on the next one. And you can just leave it behind you and just move on. And you get a lot more opportunities to, I guess, not prove yourself, but a lot more conversations, a lot more opportunities for discussion, which for me, I found actually quite helpful and reassuring. Yeah. So the acceptance rate for Canadian medical students is pretty low. Why do you think you were so successful in getting two acceptances to medical schools? I have wondered that myself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think I I think that I had some really good advice before, well, especially before my interviews, but even before my application process. And I got this advice from somebody who's now a resident 
and so had been through the whole process, you know, four or five years ago. And they said to me, Rachel, you have to make the people on the admissions committee and your interviewers know that you want this. And whatever you can do to make them know that you want this, you have you know, you have to be yourself, you have to be honest, but don't be half-hearted about this. You know, you have to be all in. And I think they said that to me because at the time I was still going back and forth a little bit between nursing and medicine. And, you know, they said to me, that can't come through. You know, you have to decide, are you, are you in? And I thought about that multiple times as I was going through, there were actually a couple chances I had in my interviews and on my application uh, I guess my personal statement that I thought I was able to phrase things in a way or say things in a way that just showed I really want to be a physician. I'm committed to this. And I think that actually really helped me. And I think the second thing was that I brought in my nursing experience pretty frequently. So people gave me different pieces of advice on that. Some said, leave it out entirely. And others said, bring it in. And I just chose to bring it in because it was totally a part of who I am. And it's been such an important part of my story. And I think that the admissions committee was, saw that in a really favorable light. So I, I, I chose to just incorporate that whenever it was relevant. You know, everything you said there is, is spot on. Having Having read hundreds of personal statements, I oftentimes walk away still with the question of why the heck do you want to be a physician? And and that's that's one of my biggest feedbacks to students as like the first round of editing. It's like, okay, I've read your statement, you tell some good stories, wonderful, but I still have no idea why you want to be a doctor. So mm. you need to really sell me a little bit better on why you really want to be a doctor. And so I, I, I'm glad you got that advice too of, of making sure that you were solid in your head that that's what you really wanted to do because it's, it's, a, it's obviously a huge commitment, time commitment, and, uh, and you really need to want it. Totally. I think, I think that's totally true. And part of that that I found was, I guess, taking the time to even think about when I'm applying to school, do I really want to be a medical student at this school? And so if I do, then taking the time to figure out, okay, like I mentioned in Canada, the schools really want physicians who will meet the needs of the population of that, the particular community that the school lives in. So figuring out, okay, what, what is the community like that, that this school serves, you know, are there in Canada, we have lots of first nations people in particular parts of the country. And so different medical schools might be more focused on serving them or others might be more focused on uh, different types of populations or, and so for me, it was taking the time to say, okay, what is it about this school that I really want to be not only a physician, but a medical student here? And how can that come across in my letters and my interviews that I've taken the time to think about 
why I would really thrive at this school. I like it. I like it. And that's, it's, it works for us based schools too. Cause typically on the secondary applications, you're answering that question. Why, why you want to be in that school. If it's not on a secondary application, it's going to be in your interview. So you need to know that you need to think about it. So I love it. Well, Rachel, for, for a Canadian pre-med out there struggling, or I guess a U.S., we won't, we won't uh, discriminate. Any, any pre-med out there struggling on their journey, what, what can you tell them to give them some motivation to continue on? Well, I think I would just say, and pretty much everyone who comes on the show says, something similar but for me it's been so encouraging to just hear that no matter what the obstacle is I think you can overcome it and sometimes it just means taking a step back and figuring out what that is um, or what you need to be able to get there so for me it was definitely having the support of my husband and finding people who could surround me. So when I was discouraged, struggling with organic chemistry for the MCAT because I'd never taken the course and just having someone who could remind me, you know, you can do this. I really believe in you. Just take some time, go for a run, take a breather and come back to it. And and for me, that was probably the most helpful thing because I think when you're doing it alone, it's just so easy to get discouraged. And it's such a long process that you end up doubting yourself and every step of the way you think, can I really do this? Am I really able to do this? Or I'm so tired or, and I I think even at the interviews, some of the students that I talked to afterwards, I found out, you know, they'd had to apply three times or some had been the very last person who got in off the wait list and just hearing their stories as well and realizing that every single person who goes to med- medical school has had obstacles and you are not the only one. All right. I hope that was some valuable information for you if you're up in Canada and you are struggling through your pre-med journey, trying to figure out if you want to be a physician, if you can be a physician in Canada. I hope Rachel's journey was informative for you, motivational for you. I do want to thank our sponsor for today's show, Next Step Test Prep, which is the premier one-on-one tutoring service for the MCAT. They focus a lot on retakers, or retakers really focus on them maybe, Um, but they are the one-on-one tutoring program that I recommend here only because I know them, I have recommended a lot of students go and use them, and I've heard only positive things from the students that go and use them. You work with a next step test prep tutor and get a completely custom program. You get from your start date to your MCAT test date, you're working with that tutor one-on-one to help you earn the best possible score that you can get whether you're just starting out with the new MCAT or you've taken a prep course in the past and you haven't really received the benefits or you've taken the MCAT and you're trying to raise your score, Next Step Test Prep can help you get the score that you're shooting for. If you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash next step, that's N-E-X-T-S-T-E-P, 
medicalschoolhq.net slash next step, you can get access to a free full-length MCAT exam and $50 off any of their tutoring services. Again, that's medicalschoolhq.net slash next step. I also want to take a second and thank a couple of people that have left us ratings and reviews in iTunes. We have a couple new ones. I want to thank Vendetta Cast for writing a review that says, My Daily Motivation. Every day I doubt my ability to get into medical school, and every day I listen to at least one past one podcast to remind myself that it is possible. Thank you for that amazing review, Vendetta Cast. I don't think you're alone with doubting your abilities to get to medical school. I think that's common on your journey. We have MJ Mujtaba, I think I'm saying that right, who they just wanted to let me know that episode one was missing, and I'll go and fix that. I just wanted to read that anyway because they left a review. It was a three-star review, and that's okay. We have another one that says thebomb.com. They're from Taz XLRT. Everything you need to know about your pre-med journey can be found here. Thank you for that, Taz XLRT. We also have one more here from Sarah Ponce that says, Thank you, Dr. Grays. Love this podcast so much. I listen to it every day at work, working on my undergrad. So thank you so much for the wealth of information. You are welcome, Sarah Ponce. If you would like to leave us a rating interview, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. That's the best place to leave a rating interview. Really, the best thing to do to help spread the word for the pre-med years is to go and tell your classmates, your pre-med advisors, anybody who you can tell that you know might be interested in the pre-med journey, the pre-med path to medical school. Go let them know. We'll let them know about the pre-med years podcast and what we're doing here at the medical school headquarters. I hope you got a ton of great information out of the podcast today. I hope and I encourage you to keep pushing forward every day, just like our reviewer said, that they are doubting themselves every day. I know you doubt yourself sometimes as well. I know I did along the journey. So it's okay to doubt yourself, but pick yourself right back up. Keep pushing forward. And join us next week here at the Medical School Headquarters and the Pre-Med Years Podcast. (laughs) 